Dr. Homebrew is brought to you by Five Star Chemicals, providing safety and cleaning supplies for brewing, distilling, and winemaking at fivestarchemicals.com. Dr. Love. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. Dr. Homebrew, here I am with Brian and Keith. They're master BJCP judges. I am recognized and, you know... Rarely. Barely. With a W at the beginning? Yes. What does that mean? Recognized? Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. Brian makes jokes, everybody, in case case you didn't know that. Uh, This is Dr. Homebrew. Of course, we talk about beer. We talk about homebrew, specifically. And uh, every once in a while, we talk about how to... uh, Thank you, Brian. How to... Make better homebrew without actually drinking a homebrew in front. In front, right? Usually, uh, we have a homebrew. We have a, a homebrew here to talk about today. And um, <laughs> well, you I usually drink eat. my homebrew out back, yeah. JP. Well, a homebrew in front of us. Sorry, I'm tired. Okay. Like, I'm tired, man. Gotcha. I'm tired. This time my change, man. I'm telling you, it's just fucking with me. It's the worst. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is, we have one beer to talk about today. To drink in front of us, and then Brian will be talking about how to avoid common flaws in home brewing. Yes. Um, well, we all. Out, I hope yeah, you guys won't just hang me out to dry and let make make me talk for you know a half hour by myself without anyone else interjecting. I plan on any, taking a nap. Any, um, any useful information <laughs> alongside what I might. Or might not say. You're going to do great. I'm going to have I'm a beer a in front or out front or wherever it's going to be. I'm going to have that. <laughs> I'm going to have beer down my front. Yes. Uh, I hope so. I think that would be great. Uh, yeah, no, that sounds good. Of course, we'll jump in. And we have beer from Keith or Brian? Who do we have beer from? Keith and Brian. You guys made a beer together. No. As friends. No, we don't. We're not. We're not. Well, actually, no. we're yeah. cohorts, not friends. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Well, as cohorts. <laughs> what did you? Uh, what beer do we have to drink? Uh, what is, I have a Doppelbock. I'm going to try to talk into the microphone. Okay, that'd be uh, good. Doppelbock. I was going to ice half of it, but I, I would like to get some feedback if I should ice it or just roll with it as is for all of it and drink the whole 10 gallons without icing it. Okay. So that's the first question. And you have a, a growler of that. I yes. appreciate that. And then, uh, Brian, what do you I have? I have a small plastic container that looks like a sample jar. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the, uh, the the hydrometer sample from the the Heretic beer that I we got uh, the work giveaway from the AHA Rally at Heretic <laughs> and you you Brutus beer I all I did was you have it's a it's a fucking Tylenol bottle you asshole. it's actually it's one of the jars from the from the I dip like from the old expired um, they sent me a all new um, dip strips, oh, the strips for the yeah. I dip okay and this was all I was just like they can, I kept the containers because I thought well I'll put some. Put some Something beer in, in, like a fucking weird homeless maniac. <laughs> <laughs> I'm collecting well, all of my urine it. in two ounce jars for the apocalypse. I had that much beer, and I didn't <laughs> want it to get oxidized on the way here, so okay. I filled it up to the top. And okay, and it's ice it cold too. I really appreciate There's, that. Um, I'm gonna buy you up. some bottles or growlers or something for Christmas. I'm not sure what. But. Yeah, did you have to dump out your fingernails to put the, yeah, <laughs> to put the beer yeah, in there, or are they are they in there as well? You weirdo, used weird, to have, weird, uh, weird sour beer in it that I brought to a club meeting. Once where I just took all the <laughs> sour beers all, out of all my thirty people closet. got to drink out of that little, yeah. little so tiny you, bottle. You've done yeah. this before. Yeah, I have used these before to contain beer. Uh, I mean, all right. Yep. Uh, you know. Okay. God bless well, you, Brian. If I had put it in a bottle and it was sitting around all day getting shaken up in my car and oxidized, it would not. You wouldn't. It probably still tastes like hell. But couldn't you fill the bottle all the way to the top the same way you filled that little pill jar all the way to the top? That's what I didn't. Uh, no, I just had. I, I mean, oh, you I only had that much. That I only. I actually. You couldn't get more. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I get kegged more. it last night. I was too lazy to hook the stuff up to my keg. So yeah. what I did was I had the pitcher <laughs> in my fridge that I had dumped the last of the beer out uh, from the um, from from the Here, give me your the keg that I had fermented it in. No, no, and it it settled no. out. So it was on the this yes. you know 
the dry hops and some yeast and, and whatnot. So, um, God yeah. bless you, Brian. I swear. Well, it's it's not carbonated beer. It's not even finished beer. I just brought it so you guys could taste it. <laughs> but but if I knew you were going to harass me, I wouldn't have done it, right? I don't care. I like being harassed sometimes. <laughs> We're learning all kind of weird new things about you tonight, Brian. Judge, you bring you bring beer and judge my beer by my size, sample sizes at a time, and you like being harassed. So, um, can I tell you what it is? It's, tell me what it's, it is, man. It's, it's a heretic uh, American IPA that they made and gave away to everybody, and uh, left it to you to ferment. I did my best to this abuse is from the rally, it, right? From the rally, okay. I did my very best to abuse it. Um, actually I, I brought it in the house and it was my birthday when I went to Heretic and that was my one request for my birthday. So we went there birthday and, you know, had a few beers and, and my wife Mm -hmm. drove. So my buddy and I went there We had had some fun, went out for dinner afterwards at our ale house and, you know, got home, didn't feel like doing anything with the beer, but I also didn't realize that I just basically left the keg sealed with fermenting beer. Okay. Until the next morning. Oh, wow. When I took the keg and realized, like, <clears throat> oh, it's, like, super overpressurized. Of course, it was actively fermenting. They had pitched these two days before. Yeah. So I put it in my sink, and I had to, like, purge off all this, like, foamy beer until I could get it, <laughs> finally get rid of the... So I, I, like, purged out the, the CO2 space, and eventually it was just beer coming out. So I lost, like, probably... A gallon of beer or something, oh, half a gallon man. at least. But How you would have solved that problem, what you could have done to actually do it the right way? The beer. No, no, I mean, obviously the right way would not have been going out and getting, <laughs> well, actually, getting it, going out for your birthday and getting drunk afterward sounds like That's the right way. That's the right way. That is the right way. So. I mean, you only have, what, 50 times you can do that in your life or whatever. You know? It's like sublime says. Yeah, I, I did it the wrong way. Ten times left now. That's pretty <laughs> much what we're looking at here. But, uh, but I, uh, as, as much as I and, I, and then so it was fermenting at whatever room temperature was, and I yeah. Threw it in the garage and I just kind of let it ferment. That it was in the lower seventies. I didn't want to drop it down into the mid sixties, so I just left it in the kind of lower seventies and put it in my fermentation space. And so you just didn't give a shit. Let about it finish this out there. I'm like, how badly can I abuse this? So then I dropped some mosaic and some experimental grapefruit hops into it, and it finished out like okay. it should have. The yeast was happy. So is there, and there's it's, like one pellet of beach in that, in that little container. There's like some there's, one experimental grapefruit hop uh, like pellet yeah. in there. And then some yeah, it's a miniature beer. version of my fermenter. Yeah. yeah. Economies of scale. We're going to lose at least a, a gallon. This is going to be your guys' favorite beer ever, I'm telling you. Well, I look forward to um, opening your plastic jar and smelling your beer, Brian. It's not a jar. Come on, that's like a... Pill bottle. Pill bottle. Yeah. Uh, before we, uh, we're going to take a break here real fast and then, uh, and then talk to our guests. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about the Brew Perfect oh, yeah. Wi-Fi Digital Hydrometer. Accurate and up-to-date readings of temperature, specific gravity, and ABV. The Brew Perfect will give you. You can have live data, which allows you to react to any change in your brew before it impacts the flavor. Local Wi-Fi connection to the Brew Perfect digital hydrometer allows you to view your brew, as they say, from anywhere in the world. Set it up fast and let it do the rest. Once it's on, you can sit back, relax, and keep tabs on your beer as it ferments. This, in turn, removes the risk of contaminating your beer. You don't want to pop the lid and put the hydrometer in, and maybe you're too lazy like me to mix a batch of solution to make sure it's sanitary first and it's just it, the the brew perfect is a much better way to do this uh, it's sleek it's durable and dependable provides a better understanding of the brewing process and the science behind the beer you'll soon be drinking so go to brewperfect.com you can pre-order them now um, and if you enter code brewing 10 brewing 10 uh, you will get 10 percent off this handy unit uh, that's just for us, just for Dr. Homebrew listeners. So if you're, look, if you're a normal session listener and this is the first show you listen to, don't fucking try to hork our, <laughs> our, our thing, bro. This hork is for us only. Code. Get out of here. You have to listen to 10 shows and know Keith's last name in order to actually use this code, okay? 
That's how we Even know. be able to spell my first name. I think that all the checks I've received from the Brewing Network. No Kevin ever, Kyle. Kevin Kyle. Yeah. This time they actually, it says Keith, but it's spelled I-E instead of E-I. So <laughs> that's Beverly. some point we'll get it right. They're getting close. We're getting she, there. She asked me, she goes, is it Kyle? I'm like, no. Yes, it's Kyle. <laughs> and the next time, is it Ke- Ke- is I think it's Kevin. Steve. I don't really know, Bev. I don't know. Yeah. And the last time she's like, it's Keith, right? I'm like, yes, it's Keith. And then she spelled it wrong. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. I, I mean, we were typing it. I, I actually type my name wrong because I becomes e. Or somehow it's it's easy to type it that way, but when, it was handwritten, so there is no excuse. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is like, excuse. Uh, it's called Bev's an idiot. No, she's not an idiot. Thinking but, uh, uh, thinking Kiefer instead of Keither. <laughs> that's right. Uh, okay, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to get Brian back on from our last month's show to talk about the second uh, edition of his Party Guile beer, which is a what? A Imperial Sweet Stout or something? No, it's just Imperial Stout Imperial with stout. Uh, oak and port. And port, port and wine, yeah. I'm excited about it. And we're going to talk a little Party Guile. Uh, and then we'll take another break, and then we'll do some things, and then we'll go home, and then we'll you know fall asleep. Anyway, it's Dr. Homebrew. Hang on. We'll be right back. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The Internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up. You might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. Now, back to the examination. All right. Thanks for uh, sticking with us, everybody. Before we get to Brian, I do want to tell you guys... That for years, literally years, since 95, uh, the folks at More Beer have been leading the charge when it comes to cool and unique home brewing equipment, like the Robo Brew, which is the easiest way to all grain brew. Made from stainless steel, Robo Brew allows you to make nine gallons of beer all in one vessel. From boil to mash to cooling, it's truly self contained. If you're thinking about getting an all grain brewing, you should seriously consider the Robo Brew. Or up your fermentation game with the all-new Fermentosaurus Plastic Conical. It has a 9-gallon capacity, a stainless steel stand, a sturdy butterfly damp and the best part is it will hold up to 35 PSI, people. You can carbonate in this mofo. Check out these awesome innovations and more over at morebeer.com. All right, Brian, you're, you're back, right, buddy? I'm back. We got you. How you doing, man? Did uh, everything, everything go okay? On your break? Oh, I'm still doing all right. All right. Still, still making a few things. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So now we're going to try your Imperial Stout, right? Yeah. I think this might not go so well. So let's see what you guys say. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Hey, uh, you know, it, 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 it pays to... Um, be realistic, I suppose. I, I I don't know. I didn't see what the what the boys you know have said about it, but uh, you know I, I always admire that. The 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 weird people are the ones that go. Every beer I brew is amazing. It's gonna be amazing. If you don't like it, then you just don't. Know what you're talking about <clears throat> anyway. Uh, Keith, why don't you yes. go ahead and uh, and go uh, and go first? Wow, that thanks for the endorsement, there, JP. <laughs> you're welcome, man. Okay, uh, so this we were judging this as a 33B, which was an other wood-aged, which was an, basically an alcohol uh, wood-aged beer, sorry, uh, as the sub-style of 20C, 20C, which is an imperial stout. Uh, special ingredients were port and used oak spirals, I believe is what you told us, JP? Yes. Thank you. Uh, okay, <laughs> aroma, I got a strong malt nose. Uh, for me, it was reminiscent of a malted milk uh, sort of 
Multi-milk ball centers. That sounds kind of weird to say. But, you know, like the malt and milk sort of aroma. And, and that also kind of smells like malt extract a little bit. A, a lot of that. But also a, pro, a prominent alcohol nose. Uh, a little bit of sherry, so a little oxidation there. Chocolate, light coffee, uh, medium-low esters. Um, I think mentioning, you know, obviously the port and the ingredients, it's coming through a lot as alcohol. So I'm getting a big, big alcohol nose. Uh, not getting much of the wood. So I'm not getting much vanilla, um, you know, any other wood wood sort of uh, aromas there as well. Uh, appearance-wise, so I gave it a 7 out of 12. Appearance-wise, uh, virtually black. Uh, I'd probably say I was a little bit dumb for saying that. It's more like a very, very, very dark brown, um, which would actually be virtually black. So maybe I wasn't that stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not quite opaque. Opaque. For you listeners out there, means that you can't see through it. Uh, some hints of red and uh, the low. There's very low head. I'm thinking that may be impacted somewhat by the uh, the alcohol content of the beer, um, and just a sort of a, a tan collar around the the glass. Uh, but overall, it's pretty clear. It looks uh, not not murky at all. It looks pretty pretty good over overall. Um, Flavor-wise, I get a, a, a fair amount of fruitiness, lots of alcohol. I get some dark fruit, uh, prune. Uh, balance is nearly even. Um, but there is, you know, there's a, a fair amount of malt sweetness with a, a uh, medium, medium-high bitterness. No hop aroma. Uh, the roast is medium-low. I uh, would like to see a little bit more of that. A little more coffee flavor. Um, there's some chocolate. There's uh, obviously again alcohol is jumping, jumping out. Um, you know, as, as as I sit through it, that's kind of the the combination of alcohol and bitterness are giving a really a big drying a, a drying effect um, for the beer. So it's feeling a little less rich because of that 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 combo of uh, the alcohol and bitterness. Mouthfeel was medium full, uh, medium medium low carbonation. Big warming, uh, medium low roast, uh, with a very uh, low astringency. So overall impression, I you know lots of alcohol. It jumps out at me. Um, not sure how much of that is coming from the port versus the actual beer base. Uh, getting some of that oxidation, but I thought oxidation and you know is fine. You know oxidation goes well generally with Russian imperial stouts or. Sorry, as they call them now, imperial stouts. I think oh, they, they removed they the, dropped Ru- the Russians. They dropped the Russians from that. I mean, I'm not sure that was the election sort of thing or what <laughs> it was happened well there, before the election. Okay, thanks, Brian. 2015. Thank you. Maybe, uh, maybe all this uh, this Russia buying you know, all the news stuff and the Facebook ads is in direct result. of Could have been this, the start of it. Right? Yeah, they, yeah. they, they were so that. pissed yeah. that we were yeah. moved could, to the front. It could have been their the whole thing. They, they actually bought the BJCP out. So We're going to take be, over. All the guidelines could be based on the Russians and not anything you else. You would never know. We, we are going know. to take over America. Blame, blame uh, Sessions, I guess. So we can rename all the beers. That's why Sessions IPA, Session IPA came into. I'm sorry. Uh, yes. So the sweetness is there. Sorry. Sorry, Brian. Um, the wood is really subdued. I'm not sure. Like We weren't really sure how to categorize this when and JP gave us information, which is pretty much typical for the, the show overall. Um, so we were like trying to figure out is this supposed to be a wood beer or not, and we did enter it as a wood beer when we were judging it. Um, but you know the wood is really subdued, and then the port's a little bit, little bit heavy. Uh, we thought in terms of alcohol, or at least I thought that. I'm not sure about Brian yet. Um, but the oxidation is medium. That's fine. Uh, I like for me. I like to see a little more uh, roast and a little more uh, fullness in the body, and maybe even a little hop expression would be kind of fun as well. I thought it was it was. You know, cleanly fermented overall, other than, you know, that, that big amount of alcohol. And I would assume that's coming from the port more than any, you know, any uh, fermentation issues or anything like that. So I thought it was a clean, cleanly made beer, um, but I would just like to see the balance sort of sort of find its find its way through this. And if it's going to be a Russian Imperial Stout, then, you know, cut back on the alcohol, give it a little more body. Um, if it's going to be a barrel age, I want to see a little more more barrel expression uh, in terms of vanilla or wood. Uh, overall, I gave it a 30, so I think it's still a good beer. Uh, I just think that the alcohol is still still jumping out, and maybe even over you know some more aging would would uh, bring that down a little bit. But uh, you know where to enter it and 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 just sort of the overall 
balance, I think, is kind of kind of a struggle a little bit there. But I still, I still think it's an enjoyable beer. <clears throat> Very good. Okay. All right, Brian, go ahead, man. So, yeah, the the Imperial Stout with uh, oak spirals and port. Um, I really like the aroma on it. I thought it had a nice, rich chocolate, a medium light roast with hints of coffee, and a lightly sweet smelling. Um, some kind of medium fruity ale esters in there. Uh, there's definitely an alcohol aroma to it uh, that is, you know, in the aroma, it's it's actually not not harsh it's it's fairly smooth but the alcohol is very obvious um has a low plum like quality to it a very very faint oakiness um i'm hunting for any wininess in the nose really there's not a lot of wininess in the nose it just kind of gets covered up by all those other aromas to me but there's no bad like dms or diacetyl so it's a good smelling you know if i if it was just handed to me it's like this is an imperial stout you know it smells like a good imperial stout um, Appearance-wise, it's a nice, rich, dark brown color. Good clarity. I mean, it seems to be uh, hard to see, but you can. It looks like it's fairly clear. Low light tan head that fades soon after pouring, but that's that's forgivable in a beer this of this strength. Mostly fine bubbles ringing the glass. Uh, I did give it full points for appearance. Um, looks like it's supposed to. Flavor-wise, richly malty. Um, a big, big chocolate. Uh, there's some supporting yeah. roast and dark coffee in there, but yeah, it's a big chocolate monster. Yeah, it really is. I like it. Medium low bitterness. Uh, some of it's coming from the dark grains. The balance is definitely the malt. Um, seems like a clean ale fermentation, um, although there's a hint of some higher alcohols. Uh, well, maybe more than just a hint. In the flavor, it comes through more like in the nose. You're like, oh, there's a, there's a fair amount of alcohol here. And then in the flavor, it comes through a little, a little warmer, a little hotter, uh, and a little a touch solventy, but not, um, you know, not the most higher alcohols you've ever had in a beer. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, I've, I've had some. Yeah, I was like, I'm drinking paint thinner. We uh, the wood is very. You're drinking paint thinner. When you said that, but <laughs> I was a small pill bottle. <laughs> Enough about the pill bottle. It has a, uh, I find a low sherry-like oxidation in there, probably uh, from the port. There is definitely a little wine-like quality to it. It's got a nice, whiny, rich, chocolatey aftertaste. It's like wine and brownies, you know. Um, there's, uh, yeah, but no big hop flavors in the way or anything like that. It's kind of just, you know, nice imperial stout again, but with very low wood and a little of this sherry-like thing and a little wine that's saying, okay, what's going on in there? So, yeah, talking about the style, again, if you hand it to me and said, it's an Imperial Stout, okay, that's pretty good. It's a little warm. Um, if you hand it to me and said, it's an Imperial Stout with oak and port, I'm like, okay, where's the oak? There's a, a little bit of port wine in here, it seems like. so, And maybe some of the alcohol flavors might be coming from that wine, like Keith said. Uh, Mouthfeel-wise, fairly full-bodied uh, Russian Imperial Stout with low carbonation, substantial alcohol warmth. Uh, slightly creamy, but I'd like more of that. Um, but there's no astringency in the way either, so it's it's kind of in the middle there. It could stand to be a little smoother, but I think the alcohol might be getting in the way of that a little bit. Um, so overall, it's a nice it's a nicely brewed Russian Imperial Stout, just not quite as smooth as I'd hope. The main detractor for me is is the alcohol being a um, you know the higher alcohols and the slight solventy note uh, poking through a little too much. The wine comes through pretty nicely. Uh, but the other thing, you know, judging it as a 33B was, yeah, the the oak was not quite there either. So I think, uh, you know, I gave it a 33 as it is. Um, if you're going to enter it as an imperial stout with oak spirals and port, I would definitely want a little more of that actual wood flavor, get some vanillins in there, you know, um, soak the oak chips in the port and dump it in that way, um, or the spirals. Um, and, and keep that booziness down too, of course, either, however you enter it, uh, keep that yeast extra happy and, uh, big beers like this, you gotta really be careful about that. Pitch a, pitch a ton of yeast. Of course, I'm sure you did all that stuff, but I, um, so again, I gave it a 33, judges a 33 B. I might give it a point or two more as a regular Imperial stout. Um, but, uh, I thought it was a very good beer. Um, interested to know what kind of port is in there, how much, and how long the wood aging was done. 
um, the spiral contact, etc. Yeah, the, just the oak aging methodology in there and all of that. So, and the recipe, of course, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Brian, you ready, man? We got uh, got some questions for you. And let's not forget about party guile either. Just, just to let's not forget about let's party talk about guile. the brew day. Yeah. <clears throat> so, what is uh, what is your party guile method there, Brian? Uh, for the party guile method, so I just did this beer, the first running through it. Uh, I do a batch sparge, and I think this had, uh, uh, well, so th- I did this as a, an 11-gallon batch, and with this giant beer, it was about 56 pounds of grain. So I think I had to sparge through it twice to get the full 11-gallon there to get to the 11-gallon batch. So after that went through, then I just ran a through another, I think, 10 gallons of water through it, it made that party guile with different hops and the black toast, which didn't come out so hot. So. And you you didn't add any malt in between. It was just what the original grains still, same recipe. Yeah, right? oh, yeah. No, I didn't add anything in between. What I did, though, is I took a gallon from the the first beer uh, and swapped it with a gallon of the party guile beer just okay. to try to boost up the party guile a little bit. So it was coming out a little low. And you bumped it up. Yeah, yeah, just to try to give it, you know, the a little more of the richer flavors that come from the, the first beer. That's, that's a good idea, cool. actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've kind of worked a little bit with some of that, that, those ideas as well. But, yeah, that's a, that's for a stout, that's kind of a cool idea, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. So what about the, the oak aging and the, the yeah, port? Yeah, let's talk about this beer in, in particular, man. What, and, uh, and how would you enter it? What were you? Are we right entering it as a wood aged beer, or what were you thinking, or, or do you need, you know, our yeah. our yeah? So advice? I uh, prior to sending you guys this beer, maybe at the same time I entered this beer in my very first competition, and the scores came back as you know pretty bad and you know really high uh, you know alcohol characters. I thought, well, maybe that's the port, you know, kind of coming into it. So I you know emailed JP and said, hey, try to do this maybe different than a risk but do it as a you know or whatever the, the specialty is with port in it so yeah um, interesting but this yeah so there is port in it right yeah yeah so there's port it's a, a tawny port so this this okay. beer was a a kate the great recipe that i found oh, online okay. there's a big beer out on the east coast that i've never had um I had moved from California to Colorado and, you know, actually had a space to age a beer. And I thought, well, let me try to do a big beer here and came across this recipe and they had port in it. So that's where this comes from. Why not? Yeah, it seems like a good pairing for sure. Does it need more port flavor? Because like you said, Brian, you were trying to find the the whiny Venice or whatever. The port isn't, yeah, it's not coming as much in the aroma. There's definitely some in the flavor. Yeah, but a little bit, yeah. not a lot. Like I wouldn't. If you told me there was, if you asked me to pick out the flavor uh, of a wine, I don't even know if I could tell you there was a wine in there. Yeah, it's not heavy at all. Yeah. How much was it? How much port in the ten gallons was it? Or t- yeah, ten 11? gallons. Um, I think I tried to do a couple ounces, but well, so on the oak part. You guys picked up on the oak. I, I botched that. I had some spirals that were a second <laughs> use from another beer. and It was used whole, spirals. Yeah. So, But I soaked the port in the spirals, you know, had it aging in there and picking up all the good stuff and went open the drawer to check on it one time, and uh, the bag had leaked. And so oh. this ends up being like a third use oak spiral. Bummer. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I don't get any oak yeah. fun stuff from it. It's no, that's okay for what it is. It's, you know. Yeah. I think if you went too heavy on the port alongside the higher alcohols that are in there, it would be a little much altogether. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess what is tawny yeah, port in terms of alcohol? It's like maybe like, what, 30, 30% alcohol? I'm not, no, no, I don't Is it fortified? Is it, Some of them uh, can be up there. port was actually a fortified. Uh, I think they're in the 20s. Maybe it is in the 20s. Concentrated yeah, kind of alcohol. Yeah, so yeah. a little higher. Just grab the bottle. This is a twenty percent. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know your tawny port. Well, I you know I'm I'm Greek. I don't know. <laughs> but does he know tawny today? No, I wish. Uh, is it something you would try oh, again, there, like Brian? Sixty now, right? <laughs> yeah, I might do things. Actually, so I ha- 
had this beer, I brewed this in May 2016 and aged it till, you know, December of last year and I was having it and the port came through really, really strong. And so mm. I kind of thought I was going to talk to you guys about proportion and stuff. And then we had a, I shared a bottle of this last week or two at my homebrew club meeting and I got a really big soy sauce smell out of it. And I, I thought you guys were going to tear me apart for that. And you, you not smell a big soy sauce smell on this i don't and usually i'm sensitive to it maybe it was bottle variation or uh, i don't i don't get into that at all do you guys it's not big soy sauce no yeah it's yeah it's mild i mean I, I, you say that i can think a little bit of soy sauce but it's not something that jumps out of the glass it doesn't it's not a that. big meaty yeah umami yeah, bomb umami is what i think of normally soy sauce and I don't, i'm not yeah really either. yeah not super there, there is a lot of alcohol though i mean for us that's like i think the the common thread is that there's like, there's a lot of alcohol that yeah 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 this is a an eleven point two percent beer yeah it's up there yeah, no, but it's actually I mean the character is good it's got a lot of chocolate it's not like green peppery it's not not super soy sauce yeah. you know there's a little sherry in there tastes a little bit of the port it's a it's a good drinking beer I could I could quaff a pint to this you know. And then sit down for a while afterwards. <laughs> Take yeah. a nap. Take a nap. Yeah. See you tomorrow. Yeah. No, but yeah, um, yeah. So I, I made ten gallons of this, and five gallons went into a keg, and I bottled the rest. So you guys got some of the yeah. bottles, and, and that, that five gallon keg is still in my kegerator here. And then so. you said it's also about like fourteen months old. Like the uh, you brewed this like fourteen months ago or something like that, was it? Yeah, I guess we're coming on almost. Uh, 18 months or, or longer okay yeah okay. yeah well. this one you can sit on and let it age some of those those higher alcohols will die away but also at the same time the the roast is going to die away a little bit yeah. the chocolatiness is going to meld with some of the other flavors so it's going to change it might get a little better it doesn't seem like it's going super downhill it's not not badly oxidized uh, you might get a little more of that sherry light creeping in, but I think it'll be a good drinker for a while yet. You could sit on it for another six months, probably. I mean, that's one of the tricky things right. about Imperial Stouts is like how to find the, the the sweet spot where the alcohol's gone down enough, but you still have the roast that you want and not too much. And then it's also at the same time you put it on tap like nine months in, where you're like, oh, that that's too much roast, or you know, there's a lot of different factors there. You have to like, almost think about like in reverse, like when do I want to drink this beer? When am I going to enter it in competitions? And what's going to happen? So, like, when I, I would brew, like, an, you know, an imperial stout and put it in a barrel, I would know, hey, it's going to be there maybe for three months, six months, nine months, whatever. And then when it comes out of that barrel, what's the flavor going to be like? So sometimes you almost over, like, roast them just so you can get more of that character. And I, I kind of missed, like, Brian and I were talking, like, one of the beers I made, he was like, well, that, that's more like an imperial sweet stout than an imperial stout because it doesn't have that roast so i mean it's kind of a a game there you have to kind of play and it's not something you maybe would hit on the first try because every brewing system's a little bit different and you're gonna have a little bit of a different expression of roast so you gotta kind of figure it out and like hey does this have enough roast right now what would i do differently making the recipe at home now and you know and all that sort of that sort of great stuff so um it's it's a good beer to sort of Think about, take notes, and then rebrew and and make it how exactly you want it to taste when you want to drink it. Yeah, but of the two of the party guile batches, you know this this is the the better of the two, I would say for sure. Yeah. So you know, yeah, uh, yeah, the party guile definitely faded over time, and this is okay. Yeah. But yeah, maybe it's bottle variation, but I was expecting this to not be good at all from what I had last week. <laughs> you tried, but it's not horrible. It's really not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well. I'm pleasantly surprised that it that it's not horrible because I just got full soy sauce last yeah. week and I was like, man, this is not going to go well. When you guys taste <laughs> it, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's fine. It's every, like everyone said, it's just everything's kind of muted and and things are just kind of you know falling off there. So I would I would again drink a lot of these, I finish them up. Probably don't enter it in any competitions, yeah. but enjoy it for what it is. It's not that not bad at all. Yeah, like I said, I just entered my first competition with this. You know, maybe a couple months ago, and I'm not a big competition person. More just to drink what I like and share with friends. Yeah. So. Did you ever enter that the Meritson into competitions? I forgot. No, I, I didn't. But you know, I, you guys suggested that. And, yeah, that um, was a very good first well, order. So I, I have a couple kegs of that. So I thought maybe I'd a bottle a, a few bottles and enter it here. So. Is it is it yeah, smoothing out even more now? Is it has it gotten a little better uh, with the lagering in the keg? 
You said, yeah, I think so. You know, this is my first, you know, that was my first water to do. And it just kind of seems like it's rounding out a little bit more every, every Mm -hmm. week I've kind of had it. It's like, Oh, you know, a little bit more what I thought it would be. Right on. Come into a sweeter spot each time. You know, and, and, and I think you did a really great job with that. And a lot of times I used to tell home brewers, like, hey, you start off with a dark beer when you start brewing. And I know you just haven't started brewing. But in some ways, I think uh, making a really great stout is actually harder than making a really great lager. And it's a really weird sort of like once you've gotten into the hobby, well, you know, deep enough where, you know, you're like, yeah, okay, now I got to handle how to do fermentation and sanitation and all that sort of fun stuff. Like, it actually becomes harder to make a really great stout because there's a lot of balancing acts going on with with styles especially an imperial style with the aging yeah yeah. but yeah it's uh yeah and it's like you i I used to always say like hey you're starting off home brewing do a style because there's a lot of stuff to hide behind but like when you're in in the middle range of home brewing or even like later it's like i i suck at making dark beers and it's kind of like yeah i mean it's it's easy to extract a lot of harsh flavors make it too acidic or a lot of other things yeah so a little more crystal or a little less crystal is not going to hurt the beer so much but a little more roast. It's going to throw everything out, man. Yeah, <laughs> JP, you know, you've been working on that. That uh, it's true. Those recipes for a while, like trying to find something that's good. Yeah. Dial it in. It's tough. All right, Brian. Thanks a lot, yeah. man. I appreciate it again. Hey guys, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, dude. Cheers. Later. Cheers. All, All right. right. <clears throat> Finally, rid of Brian. Jeez. Yeah. Well, Just kidding. Can we no, that was this Brian too as like, well. Or like, no, we can't. It's in between, you know, uh, barrel and, and wine port stout and just regular imperial stout. And it's just like, where do you where do you enter this beer to get a good score? And, and sometimes you just have to drink it. Yeah. Sometimes you can't. Yeah, right. Exactly. Absolutely. It's like, hey, it's a beer. Yep. Um, okay. God, we're going to take, uh, take another break real fast, just a short break. And then we're going to come back. We're, then we're going to talk uh, some more homebrewing and drink some beer and then go home. We'll be uh, right back. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you you have a cleaning problem you need the five star solution visit fivestarchemicals.com or call 800-782-7019 800-782-7019 and get the five star treatment today i'm sorry to tell you this but we're gonna have to pour you out back to dr homebrew All right, thanks everybody for sticking with us. Brian's pouring his pill beer, pill beer, um, which we're bastards. a little, <laughs> we're a little nervous about, but you know it's fine. I hope it doesn't taste plasticky. I hope it does. I hope it tastes super plasticky. So this is the the Heretic American IPA. It started at ten fifty seven. Well, before we get into all um, that, yes, have you heard about the two strains that White Labs have added to the vault for home brewers? There, Brian, I did jump in the gun there for their collection of specialty one of a kind strains: WLP zero six six London Fog Ale Yeast and WLP zero seven three Artisanal Country Ale Yeast are now available for pre order by visiting whitelabs dot com slash the vault. Once each strain, once once each strain reaches 150 orders, White Labs will release the yeast and ship it directly to your doorstep. Uh, there's good news for our professional brewers too, of course. If you want access to any vault strains for your next brew day, just place a minimum order of one and a half liters through yeastman.com. Uh, so there you go. Are you about the haze cra- haze craze? God, if you're a really serious home brewer, well, look the <laughs> London Fog Ale yeast. Makes New England style IPAs. I don't know why you would want to do that, but that's that's the yeast that you do that with. Uh, the uh, uh, 073 Artisanal Country Ale yeast is beer to guard. 
or farmhouse, uh, which I think are way more way more gooder than any New England style IPA. Don't wait, everybody! Visit whitelabs.com slash the vault to learn more and place a pre order today. All right, Brian, Heretic IPA, yeah, pill but pill beer. So they put uh, Columbus, Idaho Seven, Cascade, and Mosaic in it. Wow, that is like lemon grapefruit zest, yeah. grapefruit candy. So grapefruit, I put yeah. uh, experimental grapefruit hops in it about Ooh. an ounce and a half in the, the four and a half gallons that I had left after it exploded, and um, and an ounce of um, mosaic cryo hops. I, I, I do get the. Uh, the sort of the green onion, garlic, sort of armpit sort of thing going on as well. I mean, that that does vary from person to person, how much they can smell that sort of stuff. But, well, this uh, also sat on, this was the part of the beer that sat on the hops, like the hop matter that had come out of the fermenter. So okay. I just used it to get Whoa. a gravity reading. So the actual beer, I'm hoping, tastes a little different than this because it's really hoppy. It's, it is very, like, very hoppy. It's kind of gnarly hoppy. Um, Vegetal, but not like in an offensive way. Just like you can tell, There's there a are lot of, a lot of hops in there. Yeah. No, I mean the, the nose is pretty impressive. How much aroma is actually there, and uh, yeah, and I think some of that harshness that you're tasting right now, like when the beer, you know, you're actually drinking the beer, that's going to fall out some. And it, yeah, all the ways you know you mentioned abusing this, and you know, it, it's pretty pretty darn clean. It's amazing that. that it made yeah okay beer. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't have gotten any sort of abuse out of this. I mean, granted, it's a still hydrometer reading in a pill jar. It's still pretty pretty hazy, too. I need to probably find yeah. the beer in the keg, but that's what it is. Okay, well, I'm glad that you brought this in, man. It's, uh, yeah, 5% Crystal 45, 95% Raw Arturo, and um, started at 1057, finished at 1011. So it's okay. about six percent. So it's a nice light drinking IPA with a lot of hops in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna serve it at Thanksgiving when we go up to Eureka and hang out with the uh, folks up there and have a nice IPA for them. I think it'll be great. Uh, okay, so what are we talking about? Beer flaws, huh? Yes, beer flaws. Uh, so a document that I like to work from uh, when talking about beer flaws is the uh, the complete beer fault guide. And uh, they're going to post it on like the Carolina Homebrewers page. But just search for uh, Thomas Barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S, and Beer Fault Guide, and you should come across it on the web. It's it's permission is granted to pr- reprint the guide for personal nonprofit use. Anyone can can grab it and print it, use it for studying uh, BJCP stuff or whatever. But um, I thought it would be nice to just kind of go over a few of the the basic things that uh, come up in brewing. So. A couple of the ones that, um, you know, the big ones that can come up that are generated early in fermentation, I'll maybe talk about them kind of together, is acetaldehyde and diacetyl. So, like, these are produced early in the fermentation. Um, the uh, acetaldehyde is kind of a green apple, uh, you know, bruised apple, cidery, grassy, you know, raw apple skin, rough, sharp kind of uh, aroma and flavor. And again, it comes. There's a lot of this stuff kicked out in early fermentation in in green beer, uh, pun intended. There, green apple, green beer, uh, but it can also come from okay. microbial contamination. So you know, you know, it could be if it just keeps going up and it's accompanied by other off flavors, uh, you know, sulfur stuff or, or or acetic acid. It could be coming from some, from some Cetobacter or um, Zymomonas. Um, uh, contamination in your Ooh. beer, so can yeah, it can be accompanied by some nasty stuff. And um, but yeah, usually if it's just green apple only, then it's from earlier fermentation. And and kind of same thing with um, you know to avoid the the green apple, you want to manage your yeast well, keep the beer uh, you know conditioning nicely on the on the yeast for a longer time. Don't pull off the yeast too soon. You know what they call a diacetyl rest also works to to absorb. The acetaldehyde that's produced early in fermentation, um, and um, yeah, you can also even increase the yeast concentration during the conditioning. You know, add more yeast while you're doing that. If you're in a brewery, that's easier to do. Or if you have a lot of homebrew going at the same time, that's easier to do. But 
you're just doing one batch of homebrew at a time, that's harder to do. You know, adding a little pack of yeast isn't going to do it. <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, I think acid aldehyde, I think the, the most common causes of that I see in homebrews are not pitching enough and fermenting too cold. Like, you know, and out here we don't see that as much, like too cold, but like not pitching enough yeast and uh, is a common one. And then letting it not like not rising the temperature up and kind of letting it finish and absorb all those sort of off flavors. But especially like, you know, back yeast, like people will ferment beers in their garage or whatever, uh, or whatever, you know, anywhere Midwest in the country where it's like, oh, it's like 58 degrees, I'm just going to ferment yeah. it. And not and pitch one smack pack and throw it in there, or one vial, throw it in there, or whatever. What do they call those things now for white labs? But, like, you know, not enough yeast and not enough, you know, cold temperature, you're going to have a, probably likely to have a acetaldehyde problem uh, if, you, if you do that. So um, pretty pretty common flaw you see in a lot of competitions. Mm. It's it's uh, one of the most common with, with probably diacetyl. Yeah, and, and other things that crop up again, the, the, the vicinal diketones like, you know, diacetyl and, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a VDK comes up early in fermentation. A lot of it gets produced, but then it gets reabsorbed. And, um, you know, it, having a nice warm ale fermentation and keeping it going, uh, until it's done and keeping it going a while longer is good. Uh, if you're doing a lager, you want to raise your lager up to, you know, um, into the towards the mid fifties, or you can even you can go up into the sixties if you want. But I think fifties or so for a few days is enough with a lager to to reabsorb that and just. I mean, you can taste it and see when it's gone too. Yeah. Um, but it's going to get reabsorbed as long as your yeast stays healthy and keeps going. Now, the the, the precursor to that is the the pentane dione two three pentane dione is produced early in fermentation. That's kind of. Um, variant to that but the, the perception pentane, threshold for pentane two dione? three pentane dione hmm. the is 10 times higher so diacetyl it, it, you don't need that much at all people can taste it at 0.5 to, to 0.15 uh micrograms per liter like it's you know you just tiny amounts of of diacetyl are super easy to taste for the people in the population that can taste them some people can't those lucky bastards what is it again pentane dione what two three pentane dione yeah comes up again in early fermentation and um yeah it's it's kind of the i think the precursor of uh the diacetyl or it's like it's very similar in chemical composition but it's, it's not as not as tasty what does it present as uh so it comes as across kind of a honey-like or hmm. honey-like perfume flavor and aroma because i feel like um, i get that because i'm a super taster we've established yeah, this we know this yeah, yeah. So that those are the vicinal diketones, and some of them. Can that carry over into your finished beer? It does, yeah. And I mean, that's one of them that it'll it'll go away if there's healthy yeast in in your beer. Even in the bottle, it could go away. You can have bottles of beers like I just bottled this whole batch of beer, and it's all it's got a little bit of butter. But as long as it's homebrew and you still have yeast in there, and maybe there's a little oxygen in there to keep the yeast happy, then it's gonna keep working and, and it could uh reduce that in the bottles so mm. don't dump it all just yet but okay. uh you know certain other flavors like uh, like uh spicy phenols that that are are not volatile and not not going to go away and be reduced or go away they're just yeah they're stuck there so you know certain defects that are more for uh forgiving or easier to work with than others so um some yeah um, what else are we going to talk about, Keith? I think for me, one of the challenges I find in, in, in brewing a lot is uh, pH. You know, and, and it's something that's kind of under talked about. Like when you first started start brewing and in, in, in yeah. all grab and all grain, sorry, as well. And it's kind of like you know, like how to get your in the right pH range, and then how that affects the final beer. And you know, a lot of times if you're going too high in pH, uh, you don't really mess with you know uh, your pH at all. You get a lot of uh, Graininess, astringency, um, right? Cloudy beer, you get chill haze, those sort of things. And then in the opposite, like where I live in San Francisco, if you would just brew a dark beer, you know, just hey, I'm just going to brew a dark beer, I'm going to brew a porter or a stout, you mm -hmm. get a, a pH that's like in in the four point eight or something, yeah. Like smashing, <laughs> and maybe the grain won't, you know, maybe you won't even convert. Or if you do, like in ferment, like you know, you're going to have something that's going to be a little bit sour. So like finding that right range for a beer and 
you know, it, it, it's important. Like, so I mean, like five two to five six, and some people say five three to five six, or five three to five five is really the right range to go there. But um, you know, there's a lot of you know, there's some factors there that. Uh, you know, if you're seeing a hazy beer, you know, at the end, like maybe your pH is a little off. Like if you're getting a lot of, like lot it didn't of, get converted. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's some stuff there, and there's other ways. You know, other problems there too. If, if hazy beers or astringency could be too high of a sparge, or you know, the temperature's getting a little too hot for the beer. You know, that, with a grain and that sort of stuff, and some of that happens with extract. But uh, I think those are those are some common problems I see a lot. Uh, in brewing, and uh, it's, it's it's a little more challenging. It's a little more advanced than just hey, making sure my what I would start with in brewing is making sure my yeast is really happy and fermenting well. But then you know, step back from there and say, okay, is my uh, you know is my mash at the right you know right, right temperature, right pH, all that sort of stuff. Like for me, fermentation is number one. Number two from there is the production of. Uh, you know of of the the sugars that you're going to ferment, and, yeah. uh, and you can obviously mess up either one pretty easily. But you know, even if you have like if you have something that's a little bit astringent but still has all the fermentation qualities right, it's going to be a lot better than something the opposite where hey, I, I, I mash perfectly and then I just messed up and I have a ton of acid aldehyde or diacetyl. It's going to you know smack you in the face and. Uh, so, you know, I would start with focusing on fermentation and then move from there. But at the same time, like, if you are going all grain, like, you want to make sure you're doing that right. So it's a kind of a, you know, it's it's double-edged sword where you want to get those two things done properly. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, the first thing, and, and it does relate to fermentation, of course, making sure there's nothing else in there <laughs> that's going to, you know, taint your fermentation. But... Uh, when I walked into the homebrew shop in, you know, 2002 and bought my first kit, uh, the guy in there that I eventually learned how to home, uh, how to all grain brew from, Al, he's like, the key is sanitation, sanitation, sanitation. Yeah. And I, you know, I worked at that a lot and, you know, um, starting out with a clean kit and fermenting in plastic buckets, you know, it's like, okay, they're clean. They start out brand new. You get, a, a you know, several good batches out of it. But, uh, you know, you see other people fermenting in glass. Oh, why do they do that? And Or stainless, you know. And you're like, oh, okay. Eventually, then you get a bad batch because they're like, well, I, I scratched my plastic <laughs> fermenter a little bit. And yeah, or like I, I keep my racking cane in my living in plastic there. bucket. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, you eventually start getting these weird beers. I called... The the first beer that that kind of went bad, I, I called it Porter Gone Postal. <laughs> so it was, a, and I had a little mailman on the label. I, I I don't know why I even bottled it. It was awful. But <laughs> Just to do it, I bottled I guess, everything yeah. back then. It was right. a matter of course. My second beer yeah. was like plastic porter, but it was more of a uh, water source problem. And that's another thing that I think is common with early brewers is that you know like making sure you're treating your water properly. And I, I see now, like, online, everyone, a lot of people are using reverse osmosis water, which is, which is great. Yeah. But you have to remember, that, you know, also then when you're doing that to, to add the right amounts stuff back to it because you need calcium and, you, you know, you need a little bit of sodium, you need a little magnesium. And, like, there's certain minerals that you need there. Some but, sulfates with the hoppy yeah, beer. Yeah, sulfates and, yeah. And, and chlorides and all kind of different flavor yeah. profiles. But um, back in the, in the day, especially, like, people were just, Using tap water, and so, I, yeah, I, I did the same thing. I'm like, oh, let's use tap water; it'll be great. And then the beer comes off very phenolic, and I'm like, what's going on? That was like plastic porter, but um, you know, <laughs> like, oh, I got to figure this out. So I have to use a charcoal filter after that. And then there's like now there's like chloramines, and there's easy ways like Candon tablets and stuff like that to deal with it. I mean, you know, depending on where you live, maybe the best option is a RO filter, but that that is a heavy. Uh, waste of water, you know. It's, yeah. it's not, you know, it's not something that you necessarily, you know, it's expensive and it wastes a lot of water. If you're living somewhere there's a lot of drought. Speaking of, um, know, yeah, chloramines and stuff. I, I've saved, I saved this beer as an example, and I'll, I'll just pour it for you guys. But oh, there it goes. Whoa! It's you got a foamer. So I saved this beer as an example of uh, chlorophenol, which is something that come up if you have too much. Chloramines in your water, you. and you don't get rid of it. You don't. Thank I mean, filtering. If you filter it really slow, or the a filter that's designed to remove chloramines, then okay, it'll 
you know, it might take it out. But again, starting with starting with RO and actually just building it up from there is probably a better way to go. Yeah, depending on where you live. I mean, like if you live in where I live, like, at least where I where the water where I started, it was so like you know soft. It was like it was kind of it made no sense to use you know hetch hetchy water where it was. Now they're mixing a lot of other stuff into it, but it was kind of like it was perfect. It was like oh, it's not that far off from RO, but now it's changing all the time. But yeah, yeah. it's like. But it did have chloramines in it, and it was like, yeah, throw a Canon tablet in there, and also use a really slow filter, like you said, like where it's just kind of almost like dripping out. Like you, know, you can put like a disc in your filter and put a hole through it, and have it kind of drip out. And of course, then it's going to take you know a couple hours maybe to fill up your your kettle of the water you need, but still, it's better than running to the store and getting RO water, putting your own <laughs> RO system in, and wasting so much water. Unless your landlord's paying for your water, which yeah, my landlord is, so you know all these sort of nice. things. Nice. Um, so what are we supposed to be tasting here with this? Well, this had a pretty heavy um, chloroph- chlorophenolic in it. Mm-hmm. Like, it was uh, medicinal, but I think it, it must have faded a little bit over time, actually. I but some smokiness, like, and some plastic and smokiness combined. It's not... Especially in the, in, the, in the flavor, there's a lot of smokiness. Yeah. I mean, it's Almost also really clothing. old, too. Mm-hmm. It was just, yeah. I found it lurking in my fridge. I'm like, no, I'd you. written chlorophenolic chlorophenol on it and i was like okay <laughs> you categorize it was a good beer. example of that yeah. just to share with people as a beer judging exercise i think it actually came from the show a long time ago but the beer uh, i gave you guys was the uh doppelbach which is woefully undercarbonated oh, now okay because uh i thought i filled the growler all the way up but i was rushing i had actually the kid strapped to the front of me trying to fill up the bottle and it was kind of hard to see around him because his head is like Big I noggin. Think it's my head, yeah. So it was kind what of we should have done is gotten a Blickman beer gun, and you know who you can get that from. It's great fermentations because they have the largest catalog of Blickman products, and their staff is some of the best trained in the business on using those products. They offer top-notch customer service, same-day shipping on many items. Check them out: greatfermentations.com. Connect with them on social media at gr8fermentation, all over Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Greatfermentations.com. What just happened segment. there? Who was that? Oh. Okay. Middle segue. Don't even worry about it. It's yeah. Fine. No. Thank it's you. Totally and truly professional. <laughs> uh, I like this double block, man. It's nice. So you want to know if you want to, if you should ice it? Why would you ice it? Well, I have. I mean, I why not? I guess is the answer. It, but and it's like, well, I have that. You know, one of my chest freezers for my hops. I can just throw a keg in there, and I also have a Baltic porter. I was going to do that too with just for fun. And you have Baltic- a chest freezer just for hops. Iced porter. Yeah, it's oh, a really no. small. It's a really small chest freezer. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, that makes all the difference. I have three chest freezers, and I think I will get rid of those. And hoping, I don't know, we'll see what happens. But okay. Next place I'm moving to, I'm hoping to have a walk in cooler and maybe just have one chest freezer left for hops, but whatever. But, you know, I'm thinking about like freezing both beers. And the Baltic Porter isn't that, it's not that exciting. And I, I'm, it tastes too much like a Doppelbach, honestly. I'll, I'll probably freeze hmm. that one. This one was pretty big. It was like 1089, I think, OG. And it finished at like 1022. So it's pretty pretty sweet on the, on the high end for this style. Uh, well, medium high for the style, um, and the carbonation, like I said, is got. All, I didn't realize I had to fill this growler all the way up. It kind of like <laughs> a little bit knocked all the carbonation out. No, I think it's smooth enough that you could ice this and turn it into an ice box. It would be a good one. I think it's smooth enough. Yeah, why not? But is it good enough? I mean, it's like, is it going to be wasting the the base beer of it? Like, yeah, I mean, the double block is good, but I, I'd be interested to see what. The ice block would turn into, you know. I will do it then. Yeah, and yep. it's not like you're never going to brew a Doppelbach ever again because you kind of brew a lot. So, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, why not, man? This is, this is actually one of the double more double. You know, I've been more excited about this Doppelbach than other ones that I had. I'm like, yeah. I've actually been drinking this beer, which is rare. But I make a beer, and I'm like, yeah, I want to actually drink this. Versus, right. It's like, yeah, I'll have something else. But what's <laughs> in my fridge right now that I'd rather have? Yeah. Like, my neighbor has a beer. Somebody else has a beer. I'm like, yeah, I'd rather have that. And this is one I'm like. You know, I was brewing last, late last Friday night. I'm like, yeah, I'll have a Doppelbach or two after I'm done. And I turned into, like, you know, three hours of <laughs> drinking drinking beers. Yeah, not even this beer, but other beers. I'm like, oh, that was a bad idea. No, I think, uh, I mean, I like it as it is. It's nice and malty, and it's got a nice uh, nice richness to it. But um, the alcohol is so smooth for, I mean, what is it, probably 7%-ish or so, uh, that it, it could serve to... You know, to produce a pretty smooth ice block out of that, yeah, cool. I think it would be good. Yeah, why not, man? Do it. I'm definitely going to freeze the uh, Baltic Porter as well, so I'll, I'll be freezing. Some yeah, anyway. freezing some beer. 
So, um, yeah. Oh, well, did you find the EBV? No. I'll, I'll, just, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Like. So I, w- I wanted to mention another another common one that we talk about on the show sometimes is DMS. Yeah. And uh, you know it's that cooked corn kind of um, vegetable flavor um, can come across a little you know cooked broccoli celery like I mean just open a can of of you know canned corn dump out all the corn of course into the garbage can. And just smell that can. That's DMS. <laughs> Pure and simple. Um, so it comes from an organic compound. Uh, it's it's an organic compound coming from S-methylmethionine, SMM, and that's an amino acid. Sure, uh, that it comes about right. in. Um, it's in malt. Uh, it, it comes when it's uh, being germinated during malting. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's different malts that have different levels of that. So, like a British pale malt, it's got really low levels of the SMM. The precursor element, uh, and then like pills malt, especially in six row lager malt, have the highest levels, which are like about eight times that much. So you really want to be careful using those malts. And to get rid of it, um, you know, obviously nobody boils their beer covered up. And <laughs> but uh, you know, if you had a, a beer with a lot of pills malt, and you just left it covered. That it's a volatile compound, so it'll just drip back down into your kettle with the you know. The condensation on the lid and and go right back into your beer and stay there. But uh, you know, having a long vigorous boil is going to be your friend here. Um, and also, vermit- fermentation helps to scrub it out too. So if your fermentation is nice and happy and re- vigorous, uh, it'll get rid of drive off a lot of that DMS. So, uh, but it can also come from from like a lot of these off flavors from wild yeast, um, Zymomonas or Proteus bac- bacteria. And these are also kind of producing other off flavors. So if you have a mix of off flavors with some DMS, sometimes it's something else besides just the the way you brew it. I think I always like give these like old be- old man beer stories. Like you know, Rolling Rock used to be a, a classic example yeah. of DMS. It was made in you know it was made in Latrobe, PA, and they actually did like cooling in a closed container, essentially. And I'm not sure you know why they had a whirlpool in a closed closed container and they were chilling there and they, hmm. they built a yeah. DMS and just captured that and that was like the flavor of the beer and <laughs> you know I used to drink that was what I drank in college all the time it was like you know three ninety nine a six pack which probably also says how maybe it was four ninety nine at some point but how old I am <laughs> but it was like yeah so I used to drink and I'm not that old by the way but you know not as old as Brian I, I, or I mean the other Brian on the show tonight mm-hmm. right but you know it was like that was the, the DMS example and it was perfect but then Anheuser Busch bought it, and I think they tried to replicate the flavor, but I've never—I'm not sure I've ever had an Anheuser Busch. Uh, you know, now I'm probably uh, you know not Anheuser Busch anymore necessarily, but like I'm not sure I ever had one of those beers. And did they try to replicate it exactly? Like, did they try to add DMS to the beer in some way? Like, hey, let's let's close the uh, you know let's, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, let's, let's, yeah, let's get all the DMS right. back into the beer and, and try to get that flavor in there which you know that's probably just that's the way we've always brewed it man no it's funny it was the way they did it I think it was the way they chilled it it wasn't yeah. like way over the top DMS but it was enough where you could taste it yeah it, was, it, had a, it was a fun beer because of that and it was like back then I didn't know enough about it I'm like oh this beer has flavor but it was like oh, was that really the flavor that you want to you want to no, and the answer is no the answer is no um, alright well we gotta move on there Brian uh, I appreciate you can appreciate this work. We're just we're a little over time, um, but let's save the rest of this and we can do it again. Some this other is time. something we can revisit over and over. I yeah. could talk about beer defects for hours. Yeah, JP. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think that would be great. Uh, but I'll tell you what: if you're not going to have a beer that tastes good, you might as well have a beer that looks good. Thanksgiving is on its way, and there's no time like this very moment to craft your very own custom labels for those bottles of homebrewed beer, wine, cider, mead, or whatever it is that you do out there in the garage. Grog tags are reusable, customizable, and printed on high-quality vinyl so they won't come off in the ice chest. But maybe the best part is you can save 10% on your order by using the code BNARMY at checkout over at grogtag.com. That's BNARMY at grogtag.com. And uh, don't we have some grog tags to uh, to give away? Yes, uh, to Brian apparently, I guess, which is maybe a little unfair to everybody <laughs> else. So, he was he competing yeah. against us? Because I'm pretty sure my medicine bottle could have won. That's true. Best, like I'll see if Brian really wants like a hundred thousand dollars to grog. Maybe he wants to spread the love a little bit. Yeah. Um, and you know, who else yeah. is spreading the I love? The free Brew Guru app. Go to uh, homebrewassociation.org. Uh, download the free Brew Guru app. 
You find deals on beer, save money on beer, food, and brewing supplies. It pushes all this information to you. It's a cool thing. If you haven't figured it out yet, the Brew Guru app. Good people over there at homebrewassociation.org. Brew Guru is the new thing, and it will help you find all the good places to drink wherever you are. Okay, we're out of here finally. Man. It's a late show, but uh, you know it was worth it. All right. Uh, thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in to this Dr. Homebrew. This is our last one for the month, and we'll see you in December. Take it easy.